0: All right, the title of the message today is called Ruling Over Mammon. And the, the, my purpose for reading through God's Word this morning is I, I want to actually inflame a passion and a fight, maybe even a little godly indignation, so that each one of us would want to really rule over mammon and not be ruled by it in this life, which is what typically people do. My key verse for this morning is verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God And money, and that word "money" in the ESV translation is mammon, and as I understand it, um, it doesn't just mean like the bills in your wallet or the numbers on your bank account screen or your iPhone app. It represents the sense that money and the desire for money tends to grow into a an idol or a spiritual force in the world that makes demands and commands upon us. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, just so you know, you as human beings and as my disciples cannot, not not because you're not strong enough, but it is just a spiritual impossibility to serve both God and Mammon. And so this morning we're going to deal with more than just this verse. So I press the clicker button, so if it moves on me... No, you're, okay. There we go. Thank you. Let's read this together. We're going to read actually through 19 through 34, but the words will be up here. I will read it, and, and there we go. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal... But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness?" Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Father, I just thank you so much for the Word. These are the very words of God. These are a faithful, true, and authoritative telling of the words of Christ that demand a response from us because they are the word of God. And so, Father, we come before you. Lord, you know that in our own strength, we can't even really believe your word, let alone respond to it. But Father, you have been so generous as to give us your own Spirit to live inside of us, to create life where there's been death, to create faith when there's been unbelief, and to create obedience where there's been disobedience, and the joyful kind, the kind that you want and love. And so, Father, I pray that your word would do its work in us today by grace. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you would accomplish all your purposes because you love us so much. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. I want you to do something. You say, uh-oh. There's, well, you didn't have to say that. But you're off to a good start. Um, I know some people just don't ever do what I ask them to do something, but I want you to take your wallet or your purse, if you have one, And I want you to pull it out of your pocket or off from beside you. And I want you to put it underneath your feet. Just where you're sitting. Okay, this is my wallet. Okay, can you see that? This is my actual wallet. And this is a wallet I bought at MCC because I don't want to throw out my back by having uneven leg length for two whole messages this morning. Oh, come on now. Work with me here, Wallet. It knows what's about to happen and is trying to get free. Okay. All right. One little bit. Duct tape fixes everything. All right. Okay. Thank you, Dave. All right. Is your wallet underneath your feet? Okay, that is the whole point of the message this morning. <laughs> the reality is is that if you are in Christ, money is under your feet. It is called to be your servant and your slave, not your master. Because Jesus Christ is your master. That's the point of the message. And that's because that's the point of what Jesus said. It's under your feet. That is the only way to live. And it doesn't matter how much you have. If you're a Christian, the reality is is that mammon is under your feet. Your slave and your servant and not your master If you have a lot, it needs to be under your feet. If you have a little, it needs to be under your feet. If we are Christians, if we are co-heirs with Christ, if we are in Him seated on the throne of heaven beside the Father, if we are destined to soon be revealed in all the glory of God, then the reality is that mammon and money is not our master. It is our slave and our servant. The problem is, is that mammy is, mammon is one of those slaves and servants that uh, prefers lip service to true service and is always conniving to get the, the upper hand over your heart. So let's do something about that and make sure that's not happening this morning. Jesus says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Who is your master? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. There's at least one person who's willing to say it out loud in church. This is literally the safest place in the world. You can say that. And this is part of that sermon where I want a little feedback. And my feet are starting to sweat for some unknown reason. I think duct tape doesn't breathe. Who is your master? And who is not your master? Who wants to be your master? They both do. Thank you. They both do. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to keep this simple, which is sometimes a struggle for me. But I'm going to start, I'm going to talk about three things. I think this will help us. I'm going to talk about uh, an emotional attitude that Jesus deals with here, a mental attitude that Jesus deals with here, and then an action attitude that Jesus deals with here that is all designed to keep us from becoming slaves of money which is what money wants and is what, is what happens when we don't do our job of administering those severe beatings that mammon needs sometimes in order to know its place in our life. Amen? Let's start with the emotional attitude here. After saying that we cannot serve God and money because it's, an, it's just a spiritual impossibility, with the reality being that Jesus is calling us to be servants of God, He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. He's talking about the emotions. He's talking about the heart. Mammon wants to take over your life by convincing you to be anxious about money. And if we're anxious about money, I'll just say it. I'll leave the caveats for later. It's November. The guys are supposed to be growing out their mustaches. And since I can't really do that, I'll just say weird things. (laughs) If we are anxious about money, money is our master. According to Jesus, who knew a thing or two, if we are worried about not having enough money, it is our boss. According to Jesus, who knew a thing or two about the human heart. Okay, now here comes the pastoral part. I know that, that we don't always have control over our anxiety from one moment to the next, and sometimes it can spring up on us, and it's not like you can just make it go away whenever you want to. I know that there's a wrestle... I know that sometimes there's a fight, but that's why we have the Psalms. It teaches us how to wrestle with fear and anger and frustration and betrayal and come to a place where we're at peace with God again and faith with God again so that we can obey these scriptures where God himself tells us, do not be anxious about money because you cannot serve it and serve God at the same time. That's why we have the Psalms. And also why we have each other. Okay, so what my my hope... I don't always accomplish what I intend to. My hope is that, as I say, we cannot be anxious about money and serving Christ. Is that when somebody comes to you and says, I'm really struggling about anxiety about money, we don't say, foolish betrayer of Christ. We say, how can I help you get free from that? Because we all kind of struggle with it from one point to the next. Amen? And that we're for each other, and we want to get free, and we want to help other people get free. Can we do that? We're not be money anxiety judgers, but helping people get free? But this is the reality. In our hearts, the first sign that Jesus points to, that his disciples are being at least tempted to treat mammon as God and their money as their master, is that they start to worry about the future and what they have and don't, don't, might not have. That's the sign. And so the first victory that each one of us is going to need in order to do this for real, this is really uncomfortable, actually. I hope you appreciate how much discomfort I invite into my life to make a point on Sunday mornings. It's only getting worse. If this is going to be real, then we need to be on our guard all the time. Am I starting to worry about the future and money? And when that comes, you say no. You just say no. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not going. I'm just not going there. I'm just I know I just got fired, but I I am not going there. Okay, I am there, I'm calling somebody. Okay, I'm really there. Okay, I'm calling somebody right now, I'm getting people to pray. I know I know that I know that a spiritual force is trying to take over my life and turn me away from having Christ as my master. I don't want to live there. The answer is no. I don't want to participate with this. No, 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 no. No, the answer is no. The answer is no. If somebody came up to you and said, would you like to join a human trafficking firm as the human trafficked? The answer is No. No, 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 no. the answer is no. No and no. But we find Mammon very persuasive when he comes to say, look, you need me. That's the reality. You need me. And I'm feeling like walking out on you. What are you going to give me to keep me to keep me around? Jesus wants us to have the response. You serve me, mammon, as I serve Christ. And if he wants you to go away for a while, that's what I want. And he can send you back. And you have to do what I tell you. Or you have to do what Christ tells you. One of those two things. But the answer is no. Amen? You don't have to wait till the end of the message to uh, pray and repent if you need to, or neither will I. So this is the heart attitude, and there are lots of things we could talk about. Man, promises us um, happiness in the world if we just had enough of him. Man, man, if you won that won that lottery, there was like a billion dollar lottery in the U.S. recently, like a billion dollars. Now, if you won that lottery, then you could be happy, right? Then you would be free right? Then all your problems would be over, right? Then you could really serve Christ, right? No. No. If we're waiting to win the lottery to serve Jesus, we're not serving him now, and we won't serve him then. Amen? And if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, I do need to tell you that my shoes feel so uncomfortable right now that I'm with you. I am with you. Calvary Chapel, come join us in an uncomfortable Sunday. Don't put that on the website. (laughs) What's the thought attitude that Christ calls us to? So the emotional attitude is to not give in to anxiety, but instead to find contentment. So you can go to Philippians there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's Paul talking about there specifically? He's specifically talking about going through the ups and downs of going from having a lot to nothing, to back to having a lot, to back to being in prison and having nothing, to back to having a lot, and to back, to, and working a job and paying his own bills, and then going back to having nothing. He says, I've learned to be content in all this because I can, I can do all things through Christ. Because Christ is my master and mammon is not, I can be content all the time. That's what Paul says in Philippians. But what is the mind attitude here? In verse 32, Jesus says this. He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your... Heavenly Father knows that you need them. What is the heart attitude that rules over mammon? The heart attitude is, I have a Father in Heaven who takes care of me. That is the heart attitude. I have a Father in Heaven who knows my needs and wants to meet my needs and enjoys meeting my needs, and He's so generous at supplying things for the world that he makes flowers, useless, stinky flowers that look totally beautiful for three days. And then they wither. And then they're just garbage, or you burn them up. Back then, they they might burn up the grass for, for food. If you're really poor, you can't afford anything else, you'd burn food or burn grass for your food. And so here's God. He, Jesus, what Jesus' point is. God is so generous that he'd make these awesome, beautiful flowers that last for three days. And he's not worried. And not feeling like he blew it. Because he can always make more. But this is the mind attitude that defeats the heart temptation and anxiety. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you have a father in heaven who knows all your needs and actually wants to meet them as you go about the work of christ this is this is the the mind attitude that jesus gives us when the bills are being paid you have a father in heaven who is the ultimate source of all those bills being paid when things get really really tight you have a father in heaven who is maybe revealing our hearts to us and getting, giving us an opportunity to see where Mammon is in our, in our life, but in the long run wants to supply all of our needs for us because he really loves us and for the glory of Christ and because he wants to see his purposes fulfilled in the world. Mammon does not want you to believe that God is your dad. And that if God is your dad, he's one of those dads that has to show his love for you by how much he buys you and then just leaves you alone. Hey dad, you want to go and spend some time together? Not really son, but here's a new Nintendo game. Mammon wants us to believe that's what God is like. If he's giving me toys, he loves me. But if he wants to be with me, when there isn't necessarily tons of toys, he doesn't love me. That's what Mammon wants us to think about God. But what God wants us to think about God is all the time he is my dad. He sent his son to come and get me and to save me and to forgive me and to raise me from the dead spiritually. And he seals me with his Holy Spirit, which is like changing your last name when an illegal adoption has happened. My name is Robert Belfort, Holy Spirit. I belong to the Holy Spirit with the Spirit of the Father. This is the mindset. Every morning, every night, every offering, we have a Father who actually wants to meet our needs as we say yes to Jesus. And this is the mindset that keeps God as our Master and not have mammon take his place. So I've talked a little bit about the heart. And I've talked about a mindset that Jesus gives us in this passage, which I think he is self-consciously thinking, this is where it all starts. This is where all freedom from being ruled over by money, this is where all freedom from being enslaved by money starts from. You just go, I got a new dad, he's loaded. And he doesn't have anything to prove to me. So I don't need to be anxious and eat the bread of anxiety and when I am feeling that way I can can fight with truth and I can fight with fellowship and I can confess and I can get prayer and this does not need to become my new normal or just being anxious about things is my new normal you, you don't want that new normal. We talked about Goliath last Sunday coming to Israel and Inviting them to have a new normal where he just made fun of them every day. And how David wasn't willing to put up with that. But let's talk about actions. Because Jesus talks about actions. He doesn't talk super specifically here, and that's fine. But because human beings are integrated wholes, meaning we don't have a thought life that is airtight sealed off from our emotional life which is airtight sealed off from our action life we're one person and what we think and feel and do is just perspectives on who we are now what we do really matters so if you met ebenezer scrooge speaking of christmas coming up christmas Carol's going to be on tv So if you met Ebenezer Scrooge before he had his transformation and he said, I'm a very generous person, I just don't give any money away. What would you think about that? (laughs) I'm very generous in my heart. Why should I have to give anything away to prove it? Deep down, I I identify (laughs) as the most generous person you know. Why would I have to do anything about that? So Jesus gives us two demonstrations of behaviors. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead lay up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And he also says, The eye is the lamp of the body, so so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What does that mean okay let's start with the eye is the lamp of the body one this is a a bit of a weird saying um what what in the world does that mean because everybody knows that the iphone is the lamp of the body that's the thing that shines the light on us all day long and when your sump pump is quitting on you and you want to look in there you've got that button and it's the lamp what do you mean my eye is are you talking about maybe i can get a flashlight put into my eye that points backwards which is probably somebody's doing that somewhere. I'm not even sure. It's hard to make a absurd analogy nowadays because somebody's doing it somewhere. Whatever you're talking about. Um, for it, it comes up in Proverbs, I think it's 22. For the Hebrews, the idea of having a healthy eye or a good eye was a idiom for being generous. So Solomon says. Um, A man with a good eye is blessed because he shares his bread with the poor. So having a healthy eye means that you look at the world as an opportunity to share. You look at the world as an opportunity to be generous. That's what having a healthy eye looks like, which makes sense in context because Jesus is talking about money and what you do with it. So he's saying, if you have a healthy eye, meaning that you want to be generous, your whole body is full of light. But if you have a bad eye meaning you're Ebenezer Scrooge, your whole body is full of your whole soul is dark. You can't tell anything. You don't even know which way is up. Spiritually, morally, it's just all darkness. It's all darkness. It's all For Scrooge, he he thought he was right every single decision he made. Right? And we're watching him or reading the novel going everything you do is wrong. But he thought everything he did was right because his whole self was darkness, because his eye was bad. So Jesus is saying, he's calling us to a generous life of looking at the world as an opportunity to share. And then he says, you've got to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven so that your heart would be there too. And this is kind of the idea. Okay, so um, I've got all these little hearts here. This is the craft section of the message today. I made these. And they looked terrible. So Jackie fixed it. <laughs> so that they actually look like hearts. I heard Gloria and Jackie talking in the kitchen, and Gloria's like, those things look like uh, blah, 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 but it wasn't hearts. She didn't say hearts, and so Jackie fixed it. What he's saying is that there's a way you can use your money. There's a way that you can use your money where... Most of our, much of our money um, spending is actually a heart issue. You're not actually giving money away. You're you're investing your heart in something. And I maybe it's not everything. Like when you pay your property taxes, you kind of just have to do that. So it's not like you're like I love property taxes.
1: I just love
0: love it. Can't wait for the increase because of the multiplex. It's be so good. You know, not everybody necessarily loves it. But much of what we do with our money just is an expression of what we value, what we love. And so Jesus is saying, you know, when you, when you go and you, you buy that iPod, you actually are investing your heart in something. Or when you go and you buy a new wallet, because you walked on it for an hour, <laughs> insisting on getting the Italian leather is actually investing your heart in something. And he's saying this is kind of an unavoidable thing. Most of the time, where you, you don't spend money. You invest your heart in stuff. But the amazing thing is that Jesus says that there is a way you can invest your heart where it ends up, Greg, maybe you can come with me. You can be Jesus for a second. You can invest your heart and your money in ways that God receives it. So I can be like, oh, I'm, Agatha's going on long-term international missions, I'm going to give to her. And then Jesus shows up and says, actually, that's mine, so you can take that from Agatha. I'm going to receive that. Because ultimately, that was about me. <laughs> you keep the money, but Jesus keeps the heart. Right? There are ways that you can invest your money. You just say, I want to be obedient. I'm. I'm going to... Oh, and in obedience to Christ, I'm going to get out of as much bad debt as possible because Proverbs talks about that. I just want to have freedom in Jesus. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, Rob was uh, obeying me in that. So you, you're the, you're the SEU, so you keep the money. And Jesus gets the heart. Okay? So you can do compassion and give to a kid in Rwanda. and he gets the money, but Jesus keeps the heart. And he's just saying... There's a way to live like this. Where because Jesus is your, your treasure and mammon is your servant, Jesus is actually collecting the commitment. The money, yeah, it goes to people. It goes to things. But because it's being done in faith, Jesus is falling around going, I, I receive that honor. I receive that that praise. I receive that love. Amen? It's a deal, and he wants us to think like this. <laughs> it sounds like I've got flip flops. <laughs> Maybe, let me riff rip on this. If you live like mammon is under your feet, people might laugh at you. It may look silly some people might actually get angry at you. Because when all of a sudden, somebody who, who maybe knowingly or unknowingly, when they're trapped being Mammon's servant and slave, they're trapped in fear, they're trapped in, in that, and someone comes along and isn't trapped, sometimes the response is repentance. Often it's anger. Because it's frightening to change. Unless you're looking at Jesus. And then it's a blessing. So a couple stories. If Jesus is your master, you never have too little to contribute. That's a Western idea. Doug and Jan were here a few weeks ago, you might remember, and they were talking about kind of how do they just mill about in their neighborhoods and she brings out muffins to people and shares them. In. And they were telling the story that one of these ladies who like lives in a shack, a tin shack, invited them for a meal. And they felt horrible because they were like eating chicken with her and they're thinking to themselves, this is probably all the food she has for a few days. But the lady who was serving them was Ecstatic. It was her honor it was her honor to be generous when from our standard she has nothing and there's something about the human heart there if you're in a place where you feel like you've got nothing to give you're actually that's a subhuman existence it does no good to people to convince them that they don't have enough to contribute It makes us victims. It makes us sit around and wait for somebody else to come and fix the problem. It makes us evaluate God's capacity to do things by how much money's in the bank. It's spiritual, relational, social, and human death to convince people, "You, you don't have enough. And if in that instance they said to this lady, we won't eat your food, you don't have enough to feed us, she would have been so insulted and shamed. It's not even funny. Isn't that true? If you literally have nothing to give then what you do is you go to Jesus and say give me something to give because I I am not a slave to mammon I have a master who is generous another story about your heart being where your treasure is Um, okay I Sometimes I avoid awkward moments, and sometimes I dive right in. Okay, We were talking about situations where you can give to people to honor Christ, and Christ receives it. And that is one of the blessings of having a church. And that is what happens during tithing. So when the Apostle Paul in Philippians receives a financial gift while he's in prison, he says, this is an offering to my God. Thank you. I don't need it, need it, because God takes care of me. But I receive this. It is an offering to my God. And and it is a reality here that that this is a place where people are called to put their treasure in heaven by giving to the ministries that are active here. It's not just me. You know, in my head, I sometimes run through uh, uncomfortable conversations, and I think somebody could be saying, "Rob, you're just asking people to give to you, so you could get richer." You know, I don't get any richer by the giving going up. Other people are in control of that, and even I, I think I get something like, um, even just on our budget, it's something like, like like somewhere around 10% might end up going towards me. So that's 90% going to other things or other people. And so when I'm saying, let's be generous at Calvary Chapel, I'm thinking about uh, other staff members. I'm thinking about missionaries. I'm thinking about ministries. Like, we're all in this together. And the reality is, is if, if we don't give towards it, uh, it doesn't happen, right? Like, the government doesn't show up and say, well, you didn't meet budget, so here's a check. Or we go around and say there's like church property taxes or anything like that. But this this is a blessing. This is a blessing. There are ways that you can have money and use money that increases your faith and your freedom in Christ and proves that we're not mammon slaves. And we have to live like this. We, We literally have to live like this or else we aren't servants of God. Amen? So this calling to be boldly generous, anxious, free, generous, because our dad takes care of our needs and we want to be like him, helping other people. And we want to contribute towards the kingdom in ways that God receives. And we want to use our, steward our money in ways that are wise, in ways that God receives that wisdom. So it's not just about giving to you. I know I'm running over time here, but what if I get hit by a bus? And this is the last time I get to talk about money. I got to get it all on the table. Um, I am not advocating recklessness in any sense and at Calvary Chapel we do, our, we do do our best to be 100% above board in all of our financial de- dealings and I've said it before and I'll say it again the accountants love it when our file comes to them for review because we do a good job of obeying the laws of the land which we will continue to do unless they insist that we deny Christ in something that we do and then we will absolutely not comply with what they ask us to do because We need to live like we don't give a rip whether or not we get a tax receipt in how we're giving to Jesus. Right? And if somebody tries to pressure us with not getting a tax receipt, we need to be so off the charts offended at them that they would think so lowly of our love for Jesus that we would turn away from Him for a measly 19% back. Oh my goodness. Like, oh my goodness, the only thing stopping me from hitting you is the commands of Christ. (laughs) Amen? And in that moment, it will be true that, that money is not our master and Christ is, when we laugh, if that happens. And it's not like that's a future thing. It happened this summer with the summer jobs thing. Agree that the killing of unborn children is a moral good or don't get any government support. Ha. Ha, you baby killers. Ha. Ha. You think we could be bought? We are not your prostitutes. Ha. We have a father in heaven. Ha. Ha. You slaves of mammon. Ha. Well, let's end on that note. Why don't we stand? We can worship. Father, I just... Only you know. Father, I can, I can even confess like, like every message. God, you know that I'm, I have every opportunity to be a, a servant of Mammon through worry. And God, you know, I hate it. I hate my sin. I hate my weakness. I hate my unbelief. But turning to you, God, I love Jesus. I love his miracles. I love his empowering presence. I love his grace through the cross. Father, I love it that through Jesus, you are so quick to forgive. And every moment for you amongst your children is a moment to set us free. If we're willing. God, I thank you that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so, God, I pray, even as we're talking about money, we would shake off and just shake off worry, shake off feeling awkward, shake off like uh, feeling like it's all just manipulation. Blah, 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 blah. It's just gross. Jesus, I pray that you would fix each one of our hearts on you. And and we would just say, God, lead me in a life where God is my master, And mammon is my servant, and not the other way around. God, grip each one of our hearts to say and agree. You are my master, God. And mammon is my servant, and your servant, and never let it be the other way around.